Shut up. Shut up. Hello, Richard. Ah, Herr Gray, how are you? Okay. <laughs> Sehr gut, danke. Good. I was... Um, I was thinking it was quite a little mine of uh, of incredibly uh, interesting stuff we latched onto last last week when we were uh, talking about terrible jobs and maybe not so terrible ones. Me ranting. And, yeah, you ranting basically for mm. half an hour, which was extremely good. I I, I love to hear you rant. <laughs> um, one thing I wondered whether did you remember? Were you too maybe too young for this? But I loved the feeling of getting wages in a little brown envelope at the end of each week. Did oh, you ever yeah. know that? Yeah, I haven't had that for a long time. Actually, the, the last job that I had um, was, the last job I had where that happened, was when I was a gardener at King Alfred College. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not we, a grave digger like Rod Stewart. No, no, a gardener. It, but it was, but actually, it was in the it was in the trip days. Weirdly enough, it was just just as the the trip thing was about to happen, or not happen, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was yeah. Every every week we had to go to the little finance office, and we got like a yeah little envelope um, with with cash in it, which was like marvelous. Yeah, it would have a little window sometimes, so you could actually peer in and see see the, uh, the if it was blue, you had a fiver, which was pretty good. Yeah, well, going back to my you know my stationary uh, <laughs> you know life, my sedentary oh, stationary you, life, you, you, we my all have stationary life. Yeah, lines, my stationary life. You know, wages envelopes were, were definitely used to be a thing. Um, you, oh, you, know, could, you sold them in. Uh, yeah, what of course. was the name of that shop where you worked in uh, Worktown? Worktown. You were there. Yeah. For, how long were you there for? I was there a couple of years. So not only did you sell the little brown envelopes, but you got your wages in them. No, we didn't get our way. That was, no, it was weird because the King Alfred's College thing was a bit of a throwback because at Worktown, you got, you know, you know, your money into your bank account. It was like a you ah. know, pro proper grown up type thing. And then when I went to King Alfred College afterwards, later in life, mm. um, actually it was probably only a year after Worktown, really. Yeah, um, that's when, yeah, that that's when it all went back old school and you start getting wages envelopes but they come in all different shapes and sizes and uh and uh yeah with window or without window um you know as, as we were saying before we could do a whole podcast about envelopes and we probably should and but, no doubt we will yeah. in due course um yes i remember when i used to work on farms which i did for for a good number of years um mm. You would always get your wages and whatever, but what what was so exciting about it was um, that you didn't know exactly how much would be in there, did you? And so uh, you could feel between your finger, your forefinger, and your thumb that there might be some coins in there, yeah. and then you could try and measure the the the, the, the width width is that the right word the depth of 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 the crinkly the crinkly notes, and if yeah. they were fivers the girth of your wages you're yes. testing testing the girth of your wages <laughs> yes and then if they were maybe tenors it could deceive you because you would think that it wasn't as the girth wasn't as substantial as it might have been but then in fact because it was tenors rather than the fivers it might be even more than you were expecting and also i don't i don't want to age you terribly here but 
<laughs> it you, wasn't groats and farthings. No, no, but if it was pre-decimal in any way, I mean, money was huge back then, was. wasn't it? I mean, it was oh, like yeah. A4, like every every pound or shilling <laughs> was, was you know, it was, that you know, basically the size of one of those big comedy checks that you see in check presentations. Exactly. Massive, massive notage. Yeah, I, I would certainly have half crowns and uh, they didn't have pound coins in those days, so it would be pound notes. Uh, and I would have two shilling pieces and things like that in there. Uh, when I was on, on, on the farm um, during this particular period that I shall begin to describe, um, mm. I would get a lot of overtime. I, w- I, w- I was a student at university and I just was working in the, in the holidays on, on this farm. And the, the background to that is that my brother-in-law was a farm manager. And um, what you would find was that at weekends... Uh, and evenings after five, they would always want you to work on. You, you, you'd you never go home at a normal time. So your basic wage would have been whatever it was, seven in the morning till five at night. But then you didn't know when you got your packet exactly how many hours overtime you'd done. So you Not could right. have done maybe 10 hours on Saturday, 10 hours on Sunday, another three or four each day of the week. So, you know, I remember I bought my first record player. I bought my first sort of what you might call fashionable clothes back then because you could have a lot more money than you theoretically should have had in that wage packet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I certainly earned it because, uh, you know, we were talking about sort of shitty jobs. I have had, as you might imagine, on the farm, some genuinely shitty jobs, i.e. Literally shitty. Yeah, entailed getting completely covered with shit. Mm. And the one that I always... uh, one that I always remember, you know, I, I've always had this like tendency or a major tendency to claustrophobia and don't like enclosed spaces. Yeah. This was this farm near Basingstoke where they had large amounts of cattle. And in the winter, they kept the cattle indoors. I don't know if they still do that. It was obviously completely inhumane. You know, they didn't need grass. They, get, they got fed on sort of artificial feed. Yeah. And the, I mean, they had their own cow house it wasn't like oh yeah yeah they were... when you say indoors it wasn't like <laughs> they, no they in, weren't in the sitting in my room. front room right okay <laughs> just wanted to, just in case you know like, like people who are listening might not be up to date with yeah, the farming right. techniques of I did ex- uh, post-medieval <laughs> england i did express that badly it would actually do you know what it would be a lot nicer for them if they were to have like a nice crackling log fire and a, mm. and, a and a pile wilson carpet and mm. Yeah, and you know, an electric kettle to make themselves cups of tea. But no, they didn't. They just had like a, you'd call it a barn, like this huge building. Made, probably made of asbestos. It certainly uh, it certainly looked as though it was asbestos. Oh, probably. Enormous thing, like a hangar, like a like a uh, an industrial uh, unit. And yeah. Obviously, it, as anyone listening will know if they've seen cows, when you walk past a cow in a field, it will immediately splurt out shit out of its bum all over your shoes won't it because that's what they do they they, they spend the whole day eating ruminating and crapping that's all yeah. cows do yeah so there they are let's say there's 200 of them in this uh unit and obviously if if, if they're creating all this uh all this waste it has to go somewhere so that whoever designed this building 
had a really quite clever idea. So instead of them standing on the floor, they stood on uh, steel slats uh, about a metre above the floor. So it was like a false floor. Yeah, mezzanine a, level. For, a mezzanine cow for, mezzanine, exactly yeah, what mezzanine I was thinking. Cows. Uh, uh, I mean, this is getting even more luxurious by the moment, this accommodation, isn't it, with the mezzanine? Also, Cow Mezzanine sounds like a Steely Dan album. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know, I, I, I can bring everything back to Steely Dan, but it does. Cow Mezzanine has got a certain <laughs> Donald Fagan-ness about it. Well, there's still a version of uh, Steely Dan going, isn't there? So we could contact them and ask them if they consider that as title for their next album. Yeah, no, known affectionately as Steely Don. Because obviously it's just Don Fagan now. Oh yes, of course. Yes, after Warped yeah. past. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was last year, wasn't it? Year before, actually. Oh really? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, forget last year. It didn't. Last year didn't happen, really, did it? No, no. Okay, so here we have our uh, domesticated cows on their mezzanine, mm. and quite clearly, although obviously I provided them with all sweet facilities, they ignored them, and yeah. they just stood there doing the usual uh, uh, splurging out this evil brown sludge yeah uh 24 hours a day because there wasn't anything else for them to do and they were crammed in so tight literally non-stop they were just yeah yeah. (laughs) um which was fine because underneath the mezzanine there was a sloping real floor which was concrete and the idea of the slope was that it would slide gradually down. Yeah. And then at the bottom, there was like a big, what you call a pit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, among my many fantasies of violently murdering people, throwing people into this pit, I can think of several people that I would have loved to have put in there. But um, that, that would be quite a way to die, wouldn't it? I had, a, I had a, a, an idea back then of killing somebody by putting them into a grain silo while the grain was still being um, added to it, and and they gradually would, their heads would gradually disappear uh, un, under the uh, the corn as it rises up with their arms flailing. And do you know I've since seen that actual thing happen twice in crime programs on television. Oh, maybe you're like some you don't realise it. You're the you're some weird remote muse for people who write scandi noirs. You know, I like think you so. you think these things, and then at a later episode, it 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 turns up. Maybe that's well, what it is. Well, I was thinking this because obviously I've never seen anybody being asphyxiated by uh, falling into a pit of cow shit. But le- this week I watched Marcella, which is this <laughs> irredeemably violent, dark, horrible, negative series on ITV. Mm. And she did find someone buried in pig shit. And the only thing sticking out was a hand with a ring on it, which she, which she removed because it was evidence. Mm. So I'm thinking those scriptwriters have been. Uh, I, it's probably since I had the injection, isn't it? That's what's happened. Yes. The vaccine enables them to analyse my brain. Yes, it goes straight from your brain to Bill Gates, and then straight from <sighs> Bill Gates to to the writing room of um, yeah, crime drama international. There you go. It's, it's a good thing we have these conversations because I don't. I think that quite a lot of people, until we say these things and analyse them properly, they wouldn't realise, would they, that what's that, going on? No, no, no. Everybody would have their own, you know, their own theory about the secret new world order controlling us, but they wouldn't know 
exactly the ins and outs and how it works. So we're really, yeah, it's quite a public service we're providing, really. So there, are, there we are. So right. So you, you've got the technique. The, the 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 poo comes down from the cow's bottoms through the slats and onto the concrete floor, which is set at an angle. But whoever designed it hadn't actually worked out. That's Poppy. Shut up! Shut up! She's sharpening her claws on my on my briefcase. Yeah. Are we leaving that in? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Of I was course. just fascinated by the idea you had a briefcase. No, it's not a briefcase. I can't imagine anybody having You've got a briefcase. It's one what, of those just man in case? bags. It's just there <laughs> it's in, those... in case suddenly somebody phones you and says, Mr. Gray, please come and, I don't know, audit our accounts. And you can just pick up your briefcase and head out the door and go to work. It's a case for me to keep my briefs in. That's all. Oh, there you go. Well, hence, hence why then. Yeah. So you're a high powered lawyer by night and a podcast recorder by day. That's what it is. No, I'm an underwear salesman. By underwear. Day. So, well, you combine the two underwear sales and um, and uh, legal services. When I used to manage bands, I had a briefcase. I used to walk around. I, I'd keep contracts and things in it. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I've still got it. I've still got the shed and it's still got all the contracts and things in it. Have you ever, <sighs> sorry, have you ever wondered why talking of, you know, legal representation and underwear salesmanship? Why have you ever wondered why um, key cutting and shoe repair go together? Like why, what, you know, is that like yes. a, is that like a double honours at some university somewhere that everybody goes to? And, you know, you don't just learn one, you learn the two because no, there's no place where you can get your shoes repaired that you can't get a key cut and no place where you can get a key cut that you can't get your shoes repaired. And as far as I'm aware, it's the same the world over. I mean, I've seen this in Spain and in, in Germany as well. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah. What's his name? Mr. Timpson. Yes, there's who, Timpsons, uh, yeah. yeah. He now has all these outlets in, in the foyers of supermarkets. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. Well, I've never, I've, I've often wondered why those two things go together. Yeah. Well, but I've never know. really imagined that you could do an honours degree in, in the two of them combined. You could probably do single honours or double honours. Well, maybe on the same, uh, whatever university of retail life that you go to to do that they obviously also offer legal representation and underwear sales as a <laughs> as a as a as a double header as well <laughs> well uh, yeah it's like carrot and coriander there's no reason why like when did carrot and coriander become a thing carrot oh, and coriander I've, I've, I've never really understand that why potato and leek what's that all about well at least potato and leek has got that seems to go together. I mean, they're both sort of rooty vegetables, aren't they? Whereas carrot yeah, and coriander. Yeah, you could just carrot you and could, coriander. Or yeah, carrot. Yes, you, you could you could make any combination of anything, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have parsnip and strawberry if you wanted to. Yeah, but I like, mean, well, you see that. You see, if you got like that, <laughs> that sweetness wouldn't necessarily. Wouldn't necessarily work badly with strawberries. Maybe it's probably you... worth a try. Sorry, my voice went really high there. That was my thinking about my thinking thinking about food voice. That was what it was. Uh, so it was a brilliant theory. And then what happened? Then once once all this uh, sludge is in the pit, 
uh, occasionally you would then they would then use it to fertilize the fields with because that's what you use to to help the crops grow hmm. but on this particular occasion and it used to happen quite often the 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 slope on the concrete floor wasn't steep enough so the Ooh. poo wasn't sliding down right. efficiently yeah and the only way to get it to slide down was to send someone in there with a what's called a squeegee which is like this big rubber attachment on the end of a stick and you had to push the uh what's it actually called in polite terms what's a polite word for it cow waste waste yes i must say that push the cow waste down towards the pit yeah. and there was no mechanized way of doing this and so of course i was always the idiot who they'd send down there so you have to go down. Imagine it's one; it's what, about a meter high. Mm. So you have to, you have to be bent down, obviously mm. bent double, yeah. and therefore your nose is about one inch above this Ooh. knee deep stuff. Yeah. And to get into there, you have to wear uh, fisherman's waders over the top of a, like a it was like a PVC yellow diving suit. Mm. And my now that i spend my entire life walking around wearing a mask it was it was the first time i'd ever come across the concept of wearing a mask yeah mm. so uh but did so you, have, they, you, yes. you, must, you must have had like the the squeegee of which you speak surely yes. you had a nickname for it the shit stick or something <laughs> where you go like like oh i'm just gonna if god you better get Rodney, out me you you're, gonna have to, you're gonna have to get out the shit stick and and get your waders on to be honest with you, uh, I didn't have any comedy names for anything because I was so uh, upset about having to do this that I didn't think anything was remotely amusing about it, especially if it was incredibly cold as well. And you... uh, everybody else, all the other farm workers are laughing their heads off at me because obviously if I didn't do it, they'd have had to. That's true. Talking of cows, did you, um, do you remember All Creatures Great and Small? Yes, it's on TV at the moment. Yeah, I, it is. And I saw the end of one the other day. And um, basically, the end of every episode is James Herriot with his arm up the backside of an animal, wouldn't it? it just yes, this like, is correct. Oh, and yes, that happens several times each episode. Yeah. And so is was the programme just that? I was gonna. I don't. I wouldn't say it was gag, but that that bit of shtick, the shtick that they have, the shit, <laughs> the shit shtick. shtick. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, that's a that's a proper proper German word then. Um, that 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 was like the the shtick for that program. Was that the the whole point of that program? It was basically there's there's a man with his hand up a cow's ass. The end. Well, it certainly was. Uh, the talking point wasn't it because nowadays you know casual violence and sex is all over every program but then i do remember it was it, it was an outrage for the viewers that you actually saw a, a man sticking his arm up to some the, the the bums the bums the cow's bum although you didn't actually see it you kind of saw a cam camera angle on it that made it clear that's what he was doing and it was uh, considered shocking at the time yeah it's shocking now. I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to see that, you know, at Sunday tea time, do they? No, they don't. And, and and in fact, nobody wants to imagine that there's somebody whose job it is to do that. That's probably why vets get paid such enormously high uh, salaries. Yeah. Do yes. they? 
Oh, vets. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to train for like eight years to become a vet. Well, I suppose you do. Yeah, and you get you get extremely well paid. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just read a couple of books and get stuck in, can you? <laughs> well, or, I mean, or going back to what we were saying, you can't, you know, maybe if I did watch enough All Creatures Great and Small, like if I got back into watching it and saw a whole season, I would feel confident hmm. about putting my hand up a cow's ass and <laughs> checking its liver was working okay or something. <laughs> Do they have livers? What, cows? Oh, yes, they, they do. Yes, I suppose you, you eat liver, don't you? Or does that come from other animals? I don't know much about meat and stuff. Yeah, you could eat, yeah, calves' livers. Oh, yes, know. of course, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Oh, right. That's what they're doing. No, then, no. What they're normally doing is a calf has got stuck and they're yanking it at you. They attach a rope to the legs. Oh, and then they And then they put their feet against the wall of the, of the cow shed and they, they, they pull. Uh, it happens a lot on the archers um, and you get the audio of that. Oh, who's made that sound effect? Who's the foley artist on? Oh on well, the you archers? know, who's, you who's... Do, you do know how the archers do all their sound effects. They they, they actually do them uh, uh, in in real time. You know, they don't have like uh, 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 electronic things. They have real things in the studio. So I would imagine it's like a, a bowl of blancmange or something like that with the producer's hand going in it is the sound of a calf being pulled out. And so they, I, I, I suppose they've they strive in some way to make that realistic in which case they've they've got a few things to test out sound wise and they've gone around to vets who have done that and gone you know what do you think is the best sound and so they take like a big bowl of blancmange and stick that onto a table and then they compare that with i don't know throwing a can of baked beans down the stairs and then the vet has to say it's the beans down if you could combine the beans down the stairs with the blancmange you've got an accurate sonic representation as long as you've taken the beans out of the can before you throw it down the stairs yeah although like hooves you'd imagine like little Ah. hooves would have like a bit of a a kind of not metallic but you know a kind of scrapey sound yes oh this is horrible thought Oh, well, uh, it's really worth researching. Uh, if, if there were any archers listeners listening to this, which is unlikely, I guess, they, they would be nodding their heads in agreement because uh, this is all, it's all true and very accurate. I in fact, it crop, crops up on quiz questions occasionally. In fact, it cropped up on the chase last week. How uh, do they make the sound of a door opening and closing? Unfortunately, I can't remember what the answer was, but I think they just got a door and they open and close it. Yeah, probably. There are websites for that kind of thing now. <laughs> All right. So here I am. Yes, yeah. yeah, so you've got the picture. You're covered in shit. I'm, well, I'm, I'm covered in shit up to my knees. Yeah. And then uh, my my claustrophobia is giving me hell yeah. because I am squashed in between the slats and the concrete. And I'm trying to push this stuff down. But what I haven't mentioned yet, of course, is that the cow's haven't left the barn well they're still there they're still there so they are above me Ah. crapping on me uh so it's like being if you imagine like a very heavy hailstorm but the hail not being water but shit and it's all yeah yes it's 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 all on your head like that so Um, it's a a sisyphian task isn't it you know, yes, it is, except you're pushing downhill instead of uphill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that was that. And uh, I, I spent like a day doing that. And then the next day, 
you had uh, we had to then uh, get this uh, the, the the shit out of the pit and across the fields into the place where it needed to be spread onto the another field and that was a, a distance of about probably about a quarter of a mile and the way they got it there was um pipes metal pipes yeah uh with uh, i think they're called sleeves bits that held each part of the pipe together to the next mm. part yeah that sounds right yeah yeah and so uh there was a, a series of i don't know maybe or whatever of these metal pipes going across the field mm. and to get the, uh, the there was a pump mm. uh, which needed to pump the stuff from the pit through the pipe to the other end of the field where there was like a spraying device that would spray it over 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 the grass um which was a good theory but in practice it was f uh, freezing it was very cold and, and it froze overnight so the pipe was full of shit that had frozen solid yeah and i had to locate where the blockage was occurring and the only way to do that was to open the pipe the Whoa. bits yeah every now and again i thought you were gonna say you had to crawl through no no it's only about uh probably about a foot in diameter oh, okay well that's... oh no crawl through. oh god I'm sorry, I'm going to hyperventilate the mere thought of that. Yeah, quick, get a paper bag and breathe you, into that. You bastard. Oh, God. Anyway, so I had a pitchfork. Mm. Yes. Well, and you worked on a farm. You would have. Well, exactly. I, I used to sort of kill people with it as well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> that happens in pretty much every, every drama that you see on TV as well. You were waiting for the Reformation to turn up so you could, <laughs> like, shoo people away. Yeah. <laughs> And I used the pitchfork to open the clip between each pipe. Mm. And then if the blockage uh, was after there, it was all right. Now, meantime, and then I would cl clip it together again. My brother-in-law was the only other person. It was, a, it was a Sunday, by the way, this was happening. Right. And for some reason, I think to just try and get things moving, he switched on the very powerful electric motor. Oh, God. Just as I was unclipping one of these pipes. Well, the story uh, is that all the uh, shit came blasting out like so, so um, powerfully. They literally knocked me up. It lifted me up in the air and then knocked me flat on my back. And of course, completely and utterly covered my, me from head to foot in cow shit. You've actually, slurry, that's the word. It's slurry. slurry. That's slurry, the one I've been slurry. looking for. But you, so yeah. you, in your lifetime, you have actually been blown into the air by cow shit. Yes, I that's have. Just, I mean, that's extraordinary. Not everybody can say that. I mean, I, well, say, I, I haven't. No. Well, I don't believe many people have. And, it, and it's something that, you know, looking back on it, it was quite an experience. And I'm quite proud of it. We had oh. to go back to my sister's house, which was obviously the only thing to do. Yeah. And it was snow. There was about an inch of snow. It just gets worse and worse, this story. Yeah. This is like... <laughs> Well, it's, God, it's reaching a, a its climax. Snow, a freezing, snowy Sunday and you're covered in shit. Yeah, and you're she walking refused, across the field. She refused to let me into the house until I'd taken all my clothes off because it had gone right through and uh, it had even infiltrated the, the aforementioned briefs. Oh. Uh, so I had to strip naked in the snow uh, beside this steaming pile of slurrified clothing which all had to go straight in the dustbin before i would be allowed admission to the house and into the shower but yeah 
I've, I've rendered you speechless, haven't I? Yeah, it's just the thought of, um, yeah, the thought of you, that happening to you is just, <laughs> just like, imagine if somehow it just happened again. Save you were in your garden, yes. tending your plants. And yes. Some, some underground main burst and, and you, the, the same thing happened, you know. <laughs> how can the same shit happen to the same person twice and literally it would happen again oh god well there is in fact a a a main drain underneath our house so it could happen again that thanks richard i won't be doing any gardening anymore now no i wouldn't i i, I think you should probably just you know stay indoors forever just just by the off chance that lightning or in your case shit does strike <laughs> twice in which case you know you, you want to be as far away from it as possible you know, we were talking last week about um, jobs that are just uh, so awful that you can't really ever imagine doing them. Well, you know, it, I did comfort myself in those days by thinking, at least this isn't my main profession. You know, at least I don't mm. have to do this for a living. Yeah, yeah. And if I'd wanted to sort of hurl my clothes down and stomp naked off down the drive saying, I'm, I resign, I'm never coming back, I could have. I'd be I'm wondering if there's, if there's anybody... I know this happened to you on a Sunday, but maybe the next morning um, that some, somewhere in the world there was a, la a modern languages teacher having a really bad day thinking, oh, God, uh, at least I don't have to do this for a living. At least I'm only doing this for the day. I can, I can go back to cleaning the shit pipe tomorrow. I, could willing, I would willingly have swapped with that person. God. Have anyway, you... yes, go on. I was going to ask, have you ever, uh, is there any jobs you haven't had that you wish you had had? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I mean, anything in the music industry, I wished, I wished I'd been like a, obviously a, 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 a band member or a, hmm. or a decent manager or whatever. Yeah, I'd have loved to, 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 to do that. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to have been a successful writer, really. You know, all my writing has been extremely unsuccessful. So that would have been good. I, you know, I listen to people on the radio talking about their latest novel and how they spent like 10 years writing it. I never understand. How do you think those people finance them, themselves when they're first time novelists and they, they say, oh, yes, it took me 10 years to write and edit this uh, this thing? Well, they've probably spent 10 years checking a shit pipe every day ah. and, and then going home and, you know, writing 200 words. And Yes, it's called paying their dues or paying their poos in this occurrence. Paying their poos. <laughs> of course of course yeah no I, I i think maybe that's the case nobody well unless you're independently wealthy you know i mean obviously somebody like rishi sunak could take 10 years off and write a book just imagine what his book would be like god <laughs> i was gonna say it would be all about himself but obviously it would be all about himself anyway wouldn't it but yeah it would be yeah i think they analyzed his recent budget and the word that cropped up most was i yeah, well, that that makes sense. Yeah, he's, yeah, his cult of personality is just um, mind bending. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think your pro your brain is probably good at this, but I my my struggle terribly with dramas that can continually go backwards and forwards in time, and I I I, I never know what I'm actually watching, whether it's the the story that I'm supposed to be concentrating on, or the backstory, or the 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 front story, if, if you call it that. Oh, where did you oh, have, did you dear. have trouble with the serpent then? Uh, uh, well, funnily enough, I didn't because this is an interesting thing. Yeah. I read a critique of the serpent, hmm. which was very critical of the fact. Do you remember that in between each 
toing and fro, they had like an aircraft departure board and it told you when it was. Yeah. And because it was actually telling me that it was now going forwards in time or backwards in time, that didn't bother me at all because I knew what was happening. Yeah. It was, it's when they just suddenly, without any warning, are... Uh, the, the plot doesn't make sense anymore and it takes you a few minutes to realise that actually what you're now watching happened in a completely different time. Actually, Man in Room 301 is a bit like that. Have you been watching I'm looking that? forward to that. No, but I've got it on my uh, list and I'm definitely going to watch it sometime I, soon. I, I haven't ruined it for you by saying that flits backwards and forwards. Quite oh, a lot. God. Well, I, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, uh, there is there is a happier story and I, I, it's the only story i ever tell people that i think might inspire them because you know when people um i you're not um immune to this yourself you you sometimes think oh you know i wish i had a different job or whatever i wish some amazing stroke of luck would would occur to me oh, yeah every every minute of every day yeah yeah well <laughs> that's what i was trying to say in a, in a roundabout way that wasn't gonna make mm. you cry and um I did have this moment. Maybe you'll be able to tell me later, have you ever had a completely and utterly life-transforming moment? And, and you know, everybody I hear getting interviewed on the radio, they, they all say, oh, yes, my whole life was completely transformed. I actually have had that experience, and I just thought I'd tell you about it because I, I think I've yeah. never told you about it in detail before. But it was when, uh, when I was teaching, and I had been teaching for a, a very long number of years and I was frankly getting a bit fed up with it you know I had this thing that I've mentioned before that I didn't want to be an old teacher the farty old teacher that everybody takes the piss out of yeah. which will happen to anybody who stays in teaching too long yeah it, it's inevitable yeah uh for example I probably would have been carrying a briefcase when I should have had a man bag or something like that you know? exactly exactly yeah. yeah that's a good example isn't it yeah yeah yeah, you become um, like the 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 um the genesis of teaching, the, the Pink <laughs> Floyd of teaching. You, know, you have to be like uh, swept away by the new broom, the new shit stick, maybe even. <laughs> that was a good name for a punk band, the shit sticks. The shit sticks, yeah. Sweeping yeah. away, sweeping away the proggers. Oh yes. Yeah. I was um, having to teach GCSE languages and uh, uh, without going into any detail because it really wouldn't be interesting for anybody but the main thing that you had to do uh, was four different aspects so they called it uh, listening, reading uh, writing and speaking hmm. and the, the, the two components that were most difficult to practice were listening and particularly reading because what they had in those days and they still do to an extent in the GCSE, one of the papers is the reading paper, and, and it uh, consists of uh, things that you might come across if you're in a foreign country, like a menu or uh, a bus timetable or a tourist leaflet. You know, the kind of things that yeah. you might need to read and understand. Yeah, everyday things as a tourist, yeah. That's right. They call them realia. We mm. used to go around uh, um, my head of department and I when we were on school trips and go into tourist offices and literally steal mountains and mountains of yeah. uh, of, of of leaflets and things yeah. which we then would use so you bring them out in class yeah and you you give a le little leaflet I probably did this back to, to you back in the day a little map or whatever it is to each pupil and then you get them to work on it and you set them tasks to identify certain places or whatever yeah 
which was very labor intensive because a you had to collect this stuff and then you had to hand it out and bring it back in and then you had to mark it and etc 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 so uh my wife big and i were on our way if funnily enough it was a freezing cold winter's day again we were on our way to an island which i recommend that anybody should visit it's uh the island of Wangerhorge, which is one of the east frisian islands off the uh the coast of germany right okay uh and uh they're well they're north north sea islands hmm. and there's a whole row of them uh there i won't tell you all their names but they are all very beautiful and if they had hot weather like spain or whatever they would be massively popular tourist resorts yeah they still are in germany because people go there for the endless beautiful pristine white sands and it's just the most idyllic place and this is kind of where like off can you get a boat from Bremerhaven or something uh, somewhere between Germany well, and Denmark? Near a, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yes, yeah. normally uh, you'd go from from a, a, they have very small ports on the edge uh, near uh, Wilhelmshaven, which is uh, another city, uh, another well, it used to be a, a military port. Right. Uh, so there we are. So we're on this little ferry. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you, oh, these islands bless them don't have motor vehicles don't don't allow motor vehicles so you can only cycle around or there's like a milk float thing if you've got a lot of luggage and a <laughs> tiny little railway right so can you imagine it's beautiful it's Sounds amazing yeah. absolutely incredible place and we were on our way there we used to go there quite regularly on this ferry but the trouble was that it was very rough seas and birgit suffers appallingly from seasickness right so we're on this boat. There's hardly anyone there. And she has disappeared into the toilet yeah. a long time before. And I could hear the retching sounds, but I couldn't follow her in, obviously. I yeah. wouldn't really have wanted to. And so I'm sitting there and I look at this little magazine, which that I've found there. And it's a magazine, a bit like um, Time Out, something like that. It's advertising events. And it's full of little tiny adverts, articles, listings. And I'm thinking, oh, this is exactly what I need. Yeah. But I think, well, I can't, you know, take 50 of these. It would be too heavy for a start. Yeah. So I I started sort of ripping out pages and taking these little things. Oops, <laughs> <laughs> were you Were you making a coughing sound when you ripped them out? <laughs> yes, but <laughs> so nobody, nobody. <laughs> I probably was, I, I, although to be fair, there was no one else there. Um, anyway, this, this is uh, the short version of this otherwise incredibly long and tedious story. Because I had this gigantic light bulb moment, mm. and that was when I came up with a concept of uh, that was to completely transform my mind. Because I thought, what I'll do is, I will take all this stuff home and instead of giving every pupil the whole magazine yeah i'll give each pupil let's say a page of it yeah and then instead of all of them doing the same thing at the same time which was you know in, in schools that tends to be so much of what happens isn't it especially yeah. traditional sort of educational systems yeah uh, they're all working on something different yeah and 
anyway, to, to, to cut all this very short, I went back and, and I used the school laminating machine to create these A4 size cards uh, containing, uh, let's say, for example, it's an advert for a, a restaurant or something. And so I cut that out, stick it on, uh, type out 10 questions and then laminate it. Oh. And I've got 30 different ones. They're all different. And so when I got back, I thought, I'll try this out. And literally, it totally transformed my teaching life because the kids just suddenly absolutely loved doing this thing because they had this autonomy. I know it's a sort of buzzword, yeah. but they, they, no. they weren't competing with people who were better than them at a diff you know, who could do it faster. Yeah, they had their own thing. Yeah. And also, I had tried to cut out interesting things that they might be interested in, such as gig listings or whatever. Hmm. Uh, so I thought, oh, God, this is actually quite good. But I didn't thought about anything else. And then one day uh, I went to a meeting of language teachers in Winchester where uh, you were supposed to bring along some uh, resources that you'd found particularly useful. So people tended to bring along a particular teaching book and say oh look uh, you know this is a good one why don't you try it yeah so i took these things along and literally this was step two of the hang on a minute i've got something here yeah because all of them said oh my goodness this is exactly what i need oh please can we have some of these yeah so i went then back and uh i think at that stage i actually bought myself a laminating machine and also, uh, I borrowed from you, which I still have in the shed and use regularly. And really? now you'll tell me what it is. It's a piece, piece of piece of equipment that artists use for cutting paper. Oh, cutting board. Oh, a guillotine. That, a guillotine. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, it is a guillotine. That's right. But not one with a handle. You slide it along. Yes, yeah, which are the best kind. Yeah. Well, I've got yours, by the way. Oh, God, there you go. Look at that. There you go. I didn't know I was instrumental in, in Revillo. You way. were, you were. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I couldn't have done it without you, Rich, but, you know. But you couldn't have done it without me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. So I quickly manufacture a few for all these people and then they all come back and say, oh, can we have some more? Hmm. So I'm suddenly thinking, anyway, cut a long story short, I started to peddle this idea around publishers. And publishers being publishers, instead of saying, yes, we think it's a great idea, they said, yes, we think it's a great idea, but we have a load of staff here whose job it is to edit things. So we want you to change this, this, this and this. And I said to them, well, actually, I know that nothing needs changing because as it stands, it works perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you start changing things, it's going to yeah. not work anymore. Yeah. 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 And I was telling this story, as I'm telling it to you now, I was with my friend Paul Dominey, who we've mentioned before because he was the manager of the time. Mm -hmm. And we went uh, on the Gosport Ferry to a in, an Indian restaurant in Portsmouth where yeah. he, knew, he knew the owner. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that. We got discount and it was very good. <laughs> That's always a good reason to mention food. As yeah. we were on the Gosport Ferry, have you noticed the spooky prevalence of ferries in this story? Yeah, there are a few ferries, yeah. I told him this and said, I really am in a quandary as to what to do. And he just said, well, why don't you do it yourself? Yeah. And I said, oh, well, don't be silly. I can't do it myself. He said, why not? 
I said, well, I'm not a publisher. He said, well, you can be a publisher. What's to stop you being a publisher? And of course, it just needed that little prompt of, oh, yeah, well, actually, why do you have to be at someone else's beck and call the whole time? Yeah, yeah. So after that, I then went to Tony Hill at Sarsen Press, who was my uh, friend who'd been doing all my gig posters and everything else for years and years, and said, can you manufacture these things in greater bulk and laminate them? And he said, yes, of course I can. Yeah. And then we had the top level conference at home because after all those years uh, in Germany, I'd only managed to save my life savings Mm. were £2,000. Mm -hmm. And to get the initial run of these things designed, because I didn't have the design skills, so I had to get David Eno to design them for me, and printed and laminated, was £2,000. So it was our entire life savings. So yeah. I expect you've had relationships where you've had to sit down with your partner and discuss spending your life savings. <laughs> anyway, we decided we were just going to do it. And if it was all a disaster, the worst thing that could have happened, at least we weren't going to be in debt. Yeah. We didn't borrow anything. Um, so we made these things. And then, of course, the question was, how do we actually tell people about them? And we came up with this idea that we would pretend to be prospective parents. Yeah. And we would, we would write to the local authorities of various counties and say, hello, we're thinking of moving to uh, <clears throat> Melton Mowbray, for example. Yeah, home of the pies, as discussed and in episode one. Yes. Mm. How, how nice to come back to Melton Mowbray. Of course. Not. Um, would you be so kind as to supply us with the names and addresses of all the schools in your local authority area? Yeah. Which they did. And then, Richard, envelopes. Oh. We went and bought thousands of envelopes. Nice. And we wrote by hand the addresses of these uh, schools yeah and we wrote we addressed it to the head of modern languages and we had a flyer which was explaining and advertising this concept that we had which yeah. we called carte blanche very obvious title but yeah. there we go and they were white cards anyway i'm coming to the end of the story now because nowadays i've been out walking a lot as we all have and along the, one of the places i walk along is uh along the itch and navigation yeah which is between winchester and Twyford where I live mm. and every day I would cycle to and from school along this path uh, so what we had to do to make it look professional because at that time we were living at number nine school road and we could hardly say you know Rivillo Publishers nine school road so I got a P.O. box oh yeah so it's P.O. box 71 I always remember it yeah, yeah I, re I remember it being 71 as well I remember yeah that. So seven was is was and is my lucky number, so uh, that was quite good. Yeah. And I thought I'm going to leave it for a week before I go to check the PO box. Right. So I was on my bike and I and I turned up uh, on the way home from school uh, through the middle of Winchester. You know where the post office no longer is, but yeah. it was there, yeah. right in the centre there, King's Walk. And I went in and. You had a little card that identified you as the owner of a PO box, hmm. and it was Stan, the old postman who lived, who worked in Twyford for donkey's years, probably still around, lives in lives in Week or well, here stop. And uh, I said, "Oh, hello, uh, PO box seventy one." And he said, "Oh, well, I'll just go and check." Yeah. So he he disappears and comes back thirty seconds later, 
and in his hand are probably about at least 50 odd envelopes oh stacked up. He can hardly hold them in one hand. And he says, here you are, mate. And he gives me these envelopes. And I'm kind of, have you ever been sort of breathless with sort of shock and excitement? Because I thought, oh, God, what's this? What's this? What's this? And you're thinking they've made a mistake. You've got yeah, the, and yeah, thinking this must be P.O. The... Box 72, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I double-checked. Anyway, I got my bike and I rode along and I stopped uh, just by the itching navigation. And I sat on the bank and I took these envelopes out of my rucksack and I started opening them. And each of them was an order, sometimes like a multiple order. My and in God. those days, they enclosed checks with the order. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So yeah. all of a sudden, I'd gone from an idea that I'd only had like a few months previously to people wanting to give me money for this idea. And that's the beginning of like the next 20 odd, more than 20 years of my life when I ran a publishing company doing that. So that's the end of that particular story. Are you inspired? I am, but also I'm inspired. And also the, um, uh, it, you know, the idea of what you did there was, you know, like you were saying earlier about um, <clears throat> never being in a band or whatever, but that is a very rock and roll thing to do. You know, if you, you know, you're the, you're the guy with the great demo tape who takes it to the record companies. In your case, you had this idea and you took it to publishing companies. Yeah. Publishing companies wanted to change everything, but you knew that it was right. And so you did it the indie punk DIY ethic way. So ah. that's, that's a very, that's a very rock and roll story. You know, not, you know, not all rock and roll is rock and roll. When you when you put it that way, you are right, but uh, it, it would never have worked because you know I've had books published by publishers, and yeah. it, the only way it could work was not to have it done by a publisher, yeah, because all the profit was mine, whereas otherwise it would have been ten percent, yeah, and it couldn't possibly have lived on that, and I'd have turned into the farty old teacher with the uh, with the leather patches on his tweed jacket, or you'd be back to your shit stick. <laughs> 